Hello and welcome back to We've Made It, brought to you by Gathered.how. I'm Sarah Orme. In this week's episode, Zoe and I are talking about the many reasons why we craft and why crafting is so important to us. On with the show. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about why we craft, aren't we, is the theme. Yeah, I think when we first mentioned this as a theme, I hadn't really thought about where it was going to go. And then I sat there thinking about this episode going, the why of crafting. It's almost like a philosophical <laughs> a philosophical question. I think there are many directions this, this chat could go today. Yeah, it's like, why do we craft? Why do we exist? I craft, um, therefore I am. I think I did actually write that in my notes. <laughs> really? Well, just about how it's interesting how for me, make crafting stuff is second nature now. And um, like, I don't think there's been a time in the past 20, 30 years, I haven't had several different craft projects on the go. Like, it's almost like it's not something I sort of consciously think, what will my craft project be? It's just natural. But so it sort of took a bit of stepping back and actually thinking, well, why is that? It's quite an interesting process. Yeah, and I I think I'm sort of with you on that because, well, in my case, I'm maybe not constantly crafting. It goes in bursts. So I'll have phases where I'm doing hugely creative things and I'm doing everything and then times when I'm not really doing a lot. I don't know if you find that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wonder what that is then. Like, what is the underlying... What's the difference in your motivations at different times, different seasons? I don't know. I think I definitely craft more in the winter. Yes, cos- the coziness of it. Yes, the coziness factor definitely plays a part. I almost think there's something about on the 1st of September when it comes round. And uh, my partner always jokes that I have this thing that I always say the season's changed before it meteorologically has. So I'll be like, oh, it's autumn now. Must start knitting. <laughs> must, must get a new quilt out to make. Uh, and yeah. he's like, it's not autumn yet until this date, you know. That's not how he talks, but in my head it is. <laughs> I know what you mean because I think in our heads it's quite ingrained to have that back to school feeling in yeah. September and I think even as an adult you're I think to myself it's like right I need to do something new which is quite exciting but also a strange strange pull towards buying stationery <laughs> isn't that always <laughs> is that seasonal or isn't that just always there as an underlying condition I mean I think for me for me that is all the time because I am a sucker for a, a pretty notebook I love a notebook and I've got loads I haven't even started writing in yet, but I kind of have them ready to use. I actually brought our teammate. Um, she, Yeah, this will go out before it arrives. But I've brought Charlotte, our, who we work with, a notebook as a birthday present. And I was fearful that I was buying her something I wanted myself. You know, that <laughs> that thing of like, is this for them or is this what I would like to receive? I know what you mean. But then if you've got similar tastes and you're giving them something that you like, then surely it's a winner. Yeah, and I did pick it with her themed in mind, but um, we digress. Why do we craft? Yeah, so I think for me personally, a lot of it is to do with relaxation. So we've talked a bit about mental health on this before, but for me it is, it's almost like something I do when I know I I want to wind down, I want to do something that's creative, but at the same time not too strenuous. 
Because yeah. I know, for example, with my crochet, I'm still making that quick hat that I talked about a few episodes ago <laughs> that has not been a quick hat. But I know that I can put on something lovely on TV. I can sit there. I can just hook away. And it's it's like, it's very calming. Yeah. Is that what you find? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I wrote a list of reasons I craft and I got to 16, which we'll probably just cycle through today. But craft was absolute, relaxing was the first one. Absolutely. Um, it The thought of, like you say, the thought of just, if I was to say, I'm going to, just tonight, I'm going to sit on the sofa and watch Netflix and paper piece some of my quilt or cross stitch something or knit something. That's such a treat. And I know I'll unwind while I'm doing it. And I won't have a, I was going to say whatever screen. I won't be dual screening. <laughs> <laughs> it does mean you can't watch things with subtitles so easily. Yeah, which I think we have talked about in the mm. past. Yeah, so no watching The Killing or or anything like that. Yeah. And actually, it's interesting. I think different types of crafts, I wonder if there's like a relaxation rating or it's probably very subjective. But like for me, so the first, one of the earliest crafts I did was cross-stitch when I was a teenager. I would say actually nothing, still that probably topped my most relaxing thing. And I wonder if it's like that element that you said about you don't have to think. Well, you do a little bit, but you know, you basically just follow, here is a square on the chart. Here is a cross I make on my fabric. And it's just very... I mean, we've talked about a few of these things before, the flow state of it, that you're just sort of in the zone with it. Switches off your brain. And I have to say there's one of these things, like if, say, I'm crocheting using a multicoloured yarn and, you know, different colours are fading in and out, there's almost like a satisfaction in seeing which colour's going to come out and how. And I don't know if it's just a, a weird me thing that I have or whether other people enjoy that as well. I think you've got so you've hit on something there actually that sort of the pleasure of watching something develop in front of you and also the aesthetic pleasure a lot of us get from the mater- the materials we work with like it's really sat what is that what's the word for it like if you have a pair of knitting needles that knit really smoothly or the same with cross stitch when you see it develop and see the different colors come next to each other and the design build I don't don't know know what it is. I know what you mean, because I think there is almost this satisfying thing in seeing something develop, but also in being done well. Because I know when you get like viral craft videos and that kind of thing, sometimes it's things like pouring paint and you just watch it and just go, there's something satisfying about it that you can't quite put your finger on. Like, um, because I follow a lot of printers, lino cut printers on Instagram. A lot of them do like these reveal videos. Mm. So they'll, they'll have their paper face down on the printing block and basically you have to apply some you have to apply pressure to the back in order to reveal the print and then you peel up the paper and the design reveals itself and that is it's satisfying to watch it's also satisfying to do because you don't know until that moment how your print has turned out yeah the big reveal and it's also you're right I love those as well do you follow Landon Chi Studio she has a beautiful Instagram of printmaking. No. Oh, mm. that's definitely one I'm going to look at. We should put a link to that yeah. one. Um, but it's, she does videos like that as well. And it's so lo- also because I'm not I'm not a printmaker. So I don't ha- I wish I did have a printmaking studio in my house, but have to accept some limits. Um, I will turn you into a printmaker. <laughs> one day in 2023. <laughs> or sooner. Um, or sooner. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? What, I lost my thread now. Oh, yeah, it's like the thing about, is it ASMR? That yeah. Watching, watching videos which do just sort of like of paint pouring or someone colouring something in or icing a cookie. 
Yeah, I think ASMR tends to be more about sound, putting my my wellness hat on now. Uh, Yeah, tell me. So ASMR, um, it's almost like a sensory reaction in your brain and not everybody gets it, which I think really is really interesting. So so you get a lot of these podcasts, you get videos of these, and it's a certain kind of sound or tone. So you quite often get people and they're kind of whispering like this into the microphone. And um, a lot of people find that really relaxing. I did find that quite pleasant. And also, you, if you're listening, you didn't see Sarah's like calm face while she was relaxing then. It was quite intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so basically what it is, is that some people have a sensory response to that where they feel like a tingling. And it can be certain noises as well, like um, scrunching up paper, rustling. And there's a lot of people who actually have quite a huge following because they do this kind of thing. Um, but it's one of those things that not everybody has. Some people have it, some people don't. Another thing I learned recently, which I found really surprising, is do you get that thing where you listen to a piece of music that's really powerful and you get like a tingling feeling? No. Like a, no. Wow. Well, because not everybody gets it. That's why. I think it's something like 50% of people get it, 50% don't. So, I've because I've thought everybody had it. I assumed that everybody, when they listened to a big swelling piece of music, had this tingling feeling, um, like goosebumps. Okay, yeah. But um, but not everybody does. And I didn't realise that until I had a conversation with somebody about it and they, were, and they said, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is this tingling you speak of? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a joke about tingling, eh, Sarah? But I, I now, I've, now I've made it. But... Um... Yeah, I get like an emotional response to music, like a powerful piece of music. Yeah, it just but doesn't I tingle. It, it's actually like, for me, it's actually like a physical response. It's something mm. I can, I can feel. It's, it's like, it's like the hairs going up on your back, the back of your neck, kind of feeling, but not unpleasant. It's, it's like an anticipation. But apparently, some people get that, and some people don't. So, what's our We've, equivalent state with making, with crafting? Do we think? I don't know. Maybe it's, it's that reverse. satisfaction of. Maybe it's that satisfaction of a of seeing a thing completed. It's the anticipation and then what you get. Yeah. And the, I do, I almost think as you, if you do sit there and make something as well with the relaxing element, it's almost like you're exhaling as you go, you know, like you can feel your body getting less stressed. Yeah. I think that's inter- interesting. I, I interviewed um, a woman called Betty Soldi about calligraphy. Mm. And she said to do calligraphy properly, you actually do need to think about your breathing and how you sit. And it's actually quite a physical thing. But yeah, she said, you know, if you're holding your breath when you're <laughs> when you're doing your calligraphy, you're gonna be like all you're gonna be all tense. Yeah. Yeah. So she said, actually, no, calligraphy is really calming and mindful. And I suppose that's true of a lot of crafts. If you're all tensed up, you're not gonna yeah you're not I mean, going to be doing your best thing like I I think when I started knitting for example yeah I thought that you kind of had to make it as tight as possible <laughs> I think knitting and, and stitching as well you can fall in that trap can't you and then you like can't get the needle in there I think I was quite young when I was doing this I was, I was about nine but I didn't realize that it's okay you need to be loose you need to make sure your your stitches are loose not as tight yeah. as possible <laughs> it's funny because a knitting thing that I have never had the self-discipline to do is a tension square. And I know that you should do a tension square. If you're listening, it's like you you knit a little square to check that 
your tension matches with the sort of tension in the pattern. Um, so you're not going to end up with something that's really bigger or smaller than what you're making. But it's it's a level of craft expertise and perfection that I do not have built in. So I never make a tension square. Just make it and see what happens. Yeah, I have to say I, I never do that either. But then I haven't really been making garments. I think if you're doing... Mm. If you're doing clothing, then the tension does matter, but it probably doesn't matter quite as much if you're doing a blanket. Yeah, but I'm the same with making garments. I've never made a toile, or tw- how do you say it? Well, I don't know. You know, it's, word. it's like when you make you make a version out of calico, you know, to check it fits before you make the one in your actual fabric. That is something I will never do. I'm going to just tell you now. <laughs> I mean, it's good that you're open about it and you can say this freely on a craft <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I mean... I mean, I, I, fair play to everyone listening who does do that. And I absolutely should do that. I'm just not that tidy a maker. And that's why the things <laughs> I make don't fit. <laughs> so, yeah, do you know, I think we need to do it. I think we need to do another podcast. We've done crafting disasters. I think we need to do crafting confessions. <laughs> oh, we really do. And I still want to really do extreme crafting. Yes. Yeah. I was actually, when we were when we were doing this, I came across all kinds of interesting stuff and I was like, no, I can't go into this now. We need to save this for a future <laughs> podcast. So basically, because we're actually, we haven't got many left in this series, have we? So that's series two pretty much set up. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to mention as well was, and I, I sort of don't know how to frame this because there's been a lot of talk recently around the fact that many of us have put on weight during lockdown and body positivity and So I'm going to say this within that context that there's no, I have no issue with whatever shape or size anyone is. But for myself, I tend to overeat in the evening specifically. And I know that if I'm crafting, it really distracts my brain. Like, obviously, if I want to eat something, I will, but I can really sort of mindlessly eat just for the sake of it. But when I'm crafting, that completely goes out of my head. And um, once, and I thought you might find this interesting, when I worked on Cross Stitcher magazine, I mean, a long time ago, like mid-noughties maybe, um, we did a study where we went worked with the weight loss group at the RUH in Bristol, but RUH in Bath, sorry. And we gave, gave out free Cross Stitch kits to everyone and then tracked the impact it had for people trying to lose weight. And it actually there was, like, it was a small scale study. It wasn't like thousands mm. of people, but there was a direct correlation between the people that used to stitching to distract themselves from over-consuming. I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of it is that there hasn't really been enough research into crafting and its benefits. No. Not, not as much as you'd think there would be, considering millions of people do it. Millions of women do it. Yeah. Well, more women than men. I think it's 52 million crafters in the English-speaking world. So times that by the non-English-speaking world. Huge. Yeah, it's 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 actually I find really surprising that there hasn't been more research into the benefits of it. There are some mm. studies, as we've talked about in previous episodes, but not as much as you would expect, considering the huge numbers of people who do it and enjoy it. It makes you wonder, Sarah, why that might be. Mm. <laughs> Could it be which half of the population tend to be the more active? I don't know. Yes, and I think at some point, actually, and I did think about this while I was while I was planning for this episode is it would be really good at some point if we talked about protesting crafting because that is a whole other subject and yeah I'd like to touch on that a little bit yeah I I think we should I was going to as well do you want to start 
Yeah. So actually, I did that usual thing where I started searching for things and got somewhat distracted. (laughs) (laughs) And tell us, and basically went off at at a tangent because I started looking at how people had used craft to express themselves. Yeah. And there certainly is a history of people using craft and particularly embroidery in a way to find their voice. Yeah. Which is interesting. So I found, for example, there is um, a woman who lived, I think, in the the late 19th century called Lorena Bulwer. And she created these massive samplers while she was in a lunatic asylum, Ooh. as they as they would have termed it back then. Mm. So when she was 55, she was put into this asylum by her brother. And she started creating these absolutely massive embroideries, basically expressing her anger at what had happened to her. And they were addressed to named people as well. So it was like she was, I guess maybe she wasn't allowed paper, she wasn't allowed a pen. Um, But she expressed herself through these huge, almost like stream of consciousness embroideries. And only a few of them have been found, but they they think that she probably did more of them. But it's it really interested me because it was a way of her finding her voice when basically she she'd have... been shut away from the world. And in terms of her mental health, we know at that time women were sometimes shut away just for being difficult, really. Or inconvenient or, in some cases, or, financially. Yeah, so it may have been that she was put into the asylum for any of these reasons. And she expressed herself in the only way that she could, which was through her her sewing. Please send me details of this afterwards. Want yeah, to, I want to see more. There are articles on this. And I think actually the BBC did a programme about her as well. So we can certainly include some links to that in the show notes. And there was another one which I particularly enjoyed because they're back when embroidery was a bit of a test of your readiness for marriage and your suitability as a wife (laughs) girls had to make samplers and you know there are hundreds of examples thousands of examples of samplers that were made by young girls who were basically learning the skills for marriage but there's a brilliant one that was found in the US from a woman called Patty Polk Mm. and she was from Maryland Maryland don't know how you say it Um, and she stitched this Patty Polk did this and she hated every stitch she did in it. She loves to read much more. <laughs> oh, Patty. And that, that really tickled me because I was like, oh, oh, Patty. That really sucks for you. <laughs> Poor Patty. She just wanted to be reading. I love her. I yeah. wish I could have met her. <laughs> yeah. And I've seen a picture of it and it's this beautiful, elaborate <laughs> em- embroidery with her protests stitched into it. Again, she's expressing herself in the way she knows how through sewing. Yeah, because I think so so often in history, I mean, not just women, plenty of groups in society haven't had agency or a voice or power. And I really, I, I, I think you're right. I think there's probably a separate podcast where we just completely go into craftivism and the art of gentle protest because there's almost too many people or groups or examples we can list today. But it's such an interesting way of, voicing that sort of voicing political or or statements that you don't normally have agency to talk about so yeah interesting. and I think we could also do a whole thing on rude cross stitch and rude embroidery <laughs> <laughs> and I say rude as in sweary subversive subversive embroidery yes 
yeah. that is a whole genre of its own. It is with quite a lot of pop, pop, you know, followers. Very popular. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think we should definitely actually. I'm basically as we as we chat today, I'm making notes about themes for for the next series. Um, we should definitely. And if anyone's listening and you follow anyone or you know of any great examples of craftivism and using craft in this context, we would love to hear about it. So let us know. Yeah, I and it, I think that is a whole topic, and I'm quite looking forward to doing that one actually. Yeah, we should get a guest on for that one. Yes, yeah, we'll definitely get a guest on for that one. So reasons that we craft. So we've done yeah, a, a and very overview of craftivism. A quick overview of craftivism. Deserves much more Yes, I think let's, let's come back to that one because I don't think we can do it justice in a little no. podcast. It needs to be a podcast of its own. It's almost a sit podcast series. I'm sure there are podcast series of their own about it. Yeah, so... We're not negating it by maybe talking about other things, but no, it's we because we want possibly. to. Pro- it's because we properly want to do it justice. Yeah. So that's. Uh, yeah. Are there any other reasons that we craft? Why we craft? Yes, I think heirlooms. Heirlooms. I didn't even have that on my list. That's the seventeenth point to put on my list. Yeah, because I think things that are passed on from a previous generation, mm. they just are so special. Like if you have something like, say, I don't know, a blanket that your mum made when you were a baby or something, a pottery that she did or something like that, it just is special because of the person who made it. Yeah, my mum cross-stitched uh, a wedding sampler and baby samplers for both my children. And obviously, so she's not with us anymore. With us anymore? She's passed away. Um, but I still have those things and I think that's really lovely that um, I have a memento of that time in my life from her yeah I have a thing and it's not I guess it's it is craft in a way because it's metal work but basically my grandparents during the war my grandfather was sent to Egypt so they obviously they missed each other they loved each other very much and he basically wrote to her two to three times a week for the whole of the war. But while he was away, he was clearly thinking about her because he made her a couple of gifts. And one of the things he made for her, and I still have this, is a little Spitfire brooch, which he made using a coin. Apparently it was quite common. Lots of soldiers did this back then. And he found a way to have it dipped in chrome for her. And he sent it back to her, clearly as a memento, and so that she would think of him. And I still have it. Sarah, that's lovely. Yeah, it's it's really sweet. And he also made her, um, I think he made it with some kind of resin, like a little heart necklace with a little tiny picture of him in the middle. What? Yeah. So, so he he was he was a very skilled man. Like he he could do lots of stuff with woodwork and that kind of thing. He was, you know, very crafty in his way. But I think it's just a special thing to be able to have. Yeah, there are so many. That's that's. That's such a nice one. Oh, I still have it. Oh. I still have it. I think, and obviously heirloom quilts is a whole other sort of genre of this making things to pass down. And I wonder if you just hit on something which is interesting to me in that it's related to the other thing, which is maybe we also craft because it's something that's handed down to us from quite often we have a parent or a grandparent. Because it's interesting that you say that about your grandfather actually being naturally quite handy with his hands given that I know that your mum also makes and you do is it something that we almost is 
is it in our genes or is it socially handed down? Well, I think in in my case, certainly, like I grew up watching my mum do um, all of these things. She's done loads of stuff, actually. So when I was younger, she did stained glass making. And then wow. she got really into pottery. She even had her own kiln at one point. Did she? And yeah, so she was, you know, she was always there being creative. She was painting, she was sketching. And it's impossible to see that and not want to do it yourself. And I think that has been passed down. And my my younger sister actually went and did an art degree because she is also incredibly creative and she's now making her own sea glass jewellery. But she? she's also she's also a very talented painter. She's a she's a very talented printer as well. And all of my sisters do some kind of crafting. I should mention I have three sisters. We're a big family. <laughs> Is it like are there four sisters and little women? Yes, we are little women. Or <laughs> depend or depending how you look at it, we may also be the Bennett sisters. <laughs> From Pride and Prejudice. Oh my goodness, you're such a talented... And what an array of different ways of being creative as well. Yeah, we all do something. So my sister in Ireland likes to paint, I think I've mentioned before. My older sister, she crochets, but she also does fused glass work. We all have our different things that we enjoy, but we're all being creative in some way. Yeah, so maybe there is something in that about... It's something that's handed down. I mean, I don't think my mum, she didn't craft a lot... But she certainly encouraged it in me. Um, and I, I do remember co- really coveting her sewing basket. Like when when she would get the sewing basket out, it was a bit like your grandma's button jar. Like I would just be like, oh, my goodness, you know. And then as I got older and she was like, do you want to just use my sewing basket to fix that? I'd be, even then, like, as you know, I'd be 18. And I'd be like, yeah, please, please can I? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's also one of those things because... When I was a child, I certainly never went near the sewing machine. And my mum was always like, don't touch. Yeah. <laughs> my dad was like that with a record player. Like, don't jump around the records or they'll, you know, skip. Yeah, we used to do that. And we lived in a house with wooden floorboards. So the, <laughs> <laughs> so the records would jump off. But that's a different... Yeah, we've got... Whole, whole other topic. We've we've diverged again. But Tangent. I think it is, it is interesting what you're saying about heirloom quilts. And you are more of a quilter than I am. So do you have any particular stories related to that? Well, only a, a couple that I've talked about before. I mean, I don't have any heirloom quilts. I've made quilts for family members before um, and I've seen heirloom quilts and I certainly, um, I was going to talk about this in the next podcast, but I'm a bit of, I'm, I have a huge thing about old quilts. Like I really geek out about them. Um, but no, I don't have any in my family actually, which is You could change that. I know. Maybe now's the time to start an heirloom quilt. You know, because lockdown will probably end maybe 2025. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Join me in my realistic expectation. Yeah, I think I do need to make one. I've, I've long wanted to make like a showstopper quilt. Ooh. So I usually make like quite, I would say simple ones. I still view myself as a beginner, even though I'm probably not anymore. Um, but I used to work on today's quilter magazine. I still do indirectly, but more closely. And they have such amazing quilts. And I'm more confident now to think I could tackle some of the really amazing old quilt blocks. And um, so, and I've got a big fabric stash. So I've often thought, why don't I combine these things and make, which would be the heirloom quilt. But it's such a commitment, Sarah. Like, what if you start making it? And then halfway through, I get a bit phased by the dauntingness of the task that I would make something 
it's going to outlast me quite significantly. And what if I don't like it at the end? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess that is a hard thing. But it's a bit like something that your children will have, though, when when you've gone. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry to be morbid. <laughs> I think <laughs> when you've more... gone, it's like it's your legacy yeah. in a way. Although, because my children are five and eight, the more urgent quilt that my eight-year-old son wants is for me to make him a Pixel Mario quilt. <laughs> oh, Which... I mean, well, that's that's very cool and of yeah. the moment. I mean, that's what will happen: is I will make the smaller Mario Pixel quilt first <laughs> before I make the massive showstopper heirloom. I think maybe it is best to do a smaller one before you commit to the heirloom <laughs> quilt. But then again, sometimes I think these things can be a bit of a burden. What if they hate it? <laughs> and I, and they're like, you've got to have the quilt. No, I don't want the quilt. <laughs> you wouldn't say that, would you? You just have to you go, wouldn't oh, say thanks. It, but you would, you would think it. A bit like somebody, when somebody gives you a gift that you don't really like and you have to be polite about it. I mean... I'm going on tangent again, but that reminds me of the hardest bit of doing the Marie Kondo process, which is what to do with gifts that you don't like. And you can imagine what Marie Kondo says about that, but it's quite hard emotionally to get to get rid of something if you've been given it and you don't like it, especially if it was handmade. Yeah. That has happened a couple of times before, but I'm not going to name examples here. No, I think that's wise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In fact, although it it moves on to the next thing, which actually overlaps a lot with heirlooms, which was on my list, which was number 10 on my list of reasons, to to give thoughtful gifts. So really, although I've just used that example of getting gifts sometimes you don't like, actually nothing beats a home. I don't think, does anything in life beat a handmade gift, really? Like... Yeah, and I think it is nice when you can get, know that you can give some somebody something really special. There's a colleague who I used to work with. She had, well, actually two of my colleagues had babies at the same time. And tidy. In, in a team of four, that was half the team. <laughs> <laughs> so I, at the time, was just getting into crochet and I made them both a baby blanket. Mm. And I gave it to one of them and I and she, she basically cried because yeah. she really liked it. I think there's, I think that's lovely. And in fact, I may not have heirloom quilts, but I do have um, not just knitted blankets, but my mother-in-law knitted this beautiful, intricate white lace baby shawl for my... Wow. Um, and she, it came out so well and I loved it so much because it was really fine um, yarn as well. And it, it was really skilled knitting. Um, I don't think sometimes we appreciate the sort of level of craftsmanship in the people in our family who craft but she is incredibly talented and she liked it so much she made one for each of her grandchildren and I think there's about 11 of them (laughs) so she then went on to make one heirloom blanket for each grandchild oh well that's really lovely as well because it's the kind of thing that they can have as a keepsake when they're older as well yeah with Uh, their own children yeah used for their own children I think that's really special so mine is sort of wrapped properly protected you know so that at one point I can pass now my children aren't babies so it's ready to be passed on at some yeah. point I want to know what else you've got on your list I'm intrigued now oh okay what are the other points on my list uh <laughs> number six I enjoy it that was <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the most basic root one that everybody <laughs> that everybody has you wouldn't do it if you didn't enjoy it of course uh I'll read out a couple more uh number five screen free creative play with my kids so Actually, in the modern day, it's really can at times, especially in lockdown, be tough finding new ways to keep them entertained. 
And like, for example, last night, I tried to get them to do a jigsaw puzzle of Lego minifigures and they lasted about 10 minutes and then they got bored. But honestly, like at times I've bought some of those like Baker Ross kids, kids kits or just, well, basically I'm always crafting with them when they'll let me. And they'll sit, like I've got sand art at one point where you basically pour sap pour different coloured sand onto sticky surfaces. Oh, yeah. And they sat for over an hour doing it, both of them fascinated. So that's a nice one, like as an activity with children, because I think children just essentially love, like most children, not all. I know some children don't like getting messy. In fact, my son hates glitter. But um, I just think there's something soothing about it. Yeah. For kids. It's, It's quite funny, my little toddler nephew, who is two, he really loves drawing. But he's very bossy with it. He likes other people to draw for him. <laughs> so quite often he'll come he'll come up to me and he'll have like a piece of paper and be like, Sarah, draw. Sarah, draw. Uh, I lo- is he the one that's come in the room a couple of times and we've talked in lockdown? He has, yeah. Although never for a podcast. He is adorable. We should get him on as a podcast guest. <laughs> and I don't think you'd be able to have much of a conversation with him because he can only string maybe three words together. Yeah. Sarah, draw. Yeah, Sarah, draw. Yes, no, please, just Sarah, draw. Sarah, draw. Uh, so that was. I think that's a good one. Crafting with kids. Oh, and this is a nice one which we've touched on. The self-esteem benefits if you're someone with low confidence of making something, and we sort of touched on how satisfying it is to make something and know you're making it well. But I think, and how there hasn't been a lot of research, but there definitely has been a growing body of research that shows, and it links in with mental health benefits, but. There is something about the self-empowerment of being able to craft. And mm-hmm. it's quite interesting. That's quite a powerful concept, you know, with links to craftivism. But I am someone that quite often suffers from low confidence. But I do get a sense of ownership and reward that I can actually make things quite well. Yeah, I think there definitely is. There's a sense of achievement when you've made something or when you get good at something and people Mm. say oh that's amazing that's definitely a confidence boost (laughs) yeah it is and I think that's a really lovely side of crafting and you also don't need to sort of do a university course or anything you know any of us can pick these skills up pretty easily you know from whether it's from friends or youtube or online tutorials on our website (laughs) gather.how but you know there are so many sources now aren't there of learning these things or kits you know so many great kits now out there subscription boxes and yeah yeah crafting is for everyone very accessible I think that's a nice place to end the podcast yes what is your one good thing this week Oh, my one good thing this week was easy. Some weeks I I struggled to think of what the one would be, but this week I made a video yesterday, um, which was how to make wax melts, how to make your own wax melts at home. Um, Wax melts, we've seen it increasing in popularity in the past year. I think in lockdown, we all like like a nice soothing thing. And if you haven't come across them, they're like wax blocks that you basically put in the top of an oil burner and they release a lovely scent. So I made this video for work and there's a tutorial up now on our website about it. And uh, it was just so much fun. It was really fun. It was a really easy craft to make. And it was really messy, uh, which drove Ross crazy. But like, so my kitchen was just covered in different bits of coloured wax. And I really enjoyed it. And I'm really happy with the tutorial. Yeah. So how to make wax melts. I made my own wax melts. And now I've gone and ordered loads of essential oils so I can just make more. So that's what you'll be getting for Christmas. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's something to look forward to. I think you'll, from me, you'll probably get a print this year. 
we should do handmade gifts. Yes. What, in the team? Yeah, well, can we make them make us a handmade gift? You and I should, <laughs> whether we should force them to as well. But what about you? What was your one good thing this week? Yeah, I think my one good thing, this one was not hard to think of, it's that my mum's had her vaccine. <gasps> oh, that's great news. Yeah, so I think... It makes me happy whenever I hear about anybody getting a vaccine, I think. And I'm just really pleased that my mum has had hers, her first dose. It's funny what, it's almost a weight off your shoulders that you didn't quite realise was there until it lifts. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a while before she has her full immunity still. It'll still Mm. be a couple of weeks for that. But knowing that she's had it is, yeah, it's definitely taken a worry away that I didn't quite know was there. That's a lovely one, good thing. Yeah, so I guess we should talk about our projects of the week then. What is yours? My project of the week is cheating because it's the same as my one little thing. It's that we have a tutorial on Gathered now, which is how to make wax melts. Yeah, that is a bit cheating. It is cheating, but (laughs) honestly, it's my favourite project. I I made it, so is it really bad to say it's my favourite project? It's not my favourite project on the whole website, but this week I just, I recommend everyone try it. It's really fun and you can get some great starter kits. Yeah. What about you? So my project this week is one that I've wanted to do for a while. And it's part of our new art section, which we've just started to build up. And it's the self-portrait project. Um, Paint your own self-portrait in gouache, which is by Esther Curtis. And if you've ever looked at those really cute little illustrations on Instagram and thought, yeah, I'd really like to have a go at that. This is a really good one to try because you can make something that's really cute and put it up on your wall and it will look good. So I'm actually really wanting to do this one myself. I really want to do that myself. I think we should get the whole team to do this. To do their own self-portraits? Yeah, that would be so think, much fun. Yeah, I think it would. Okay, I'm going to get get planning on that. Oh, I didn't realise that was up. I'm definitely going to try that. That sounds great. Yeah, Yeah, so we'll put a link to that one in the show notes as well that people can find it. Or of course, you can just go straight over to Gathered. Yeah. Yes, do tell us why you craft. We really want to hear from you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you've got any thoughts or comments that you'd like to share, don't forget you can get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Just search for Gathered. And of course, you can find all of the projects from this week's episode over on our website, gathered.how.com.